Hello, you're listening to the podcast Close to Home. I'm your host, All On Board Director, Ashley Watts. Today, we'll be talking with Kelly Kynard from High Point, North Carolina. Kelly is the mother of Luca Kynard, a 16-year-old who travels and openly shares his story about the dangers of vaping and jeweling and how he embraces a healthy tobacco-free lifestyle. Kelly, tell me a little bit about how you recognized Luca had a problem with vaping. It wasn't too hard to recognize because his behavior changed. It changed quickly and it changed drastically. It probably took about a week. We knew he was vaping because he told us when he came home that he was vaping to quit cigarettes and we were on board with that. This was two years ago before we had the information we have now about the dangers of vaping. But it quickly became obvious that he wasn't using it to quit and um, that he was actually using it more and more and there was a huge change in behavior. Can you tell me a little bit about what kind of boy Luca was before he started vaping versus after? Before he started vaping, he was just an all-around great kid. He was outgoing, fun-loving, very active in sports and Boy Scouts, and he had a lot of hobbies, and he had a great sense of humor and a great laugh, always a smile with a gleam in his eye. And then uh, that all changed overnight. When he started vaping, he became angry. The eyes lost their sparkle. The, the voice lost its cheerfulness. And he wasn't the child we raised anymore. What eventually led you to determine that Luca needed a treatment program for his vaping or tobacco addiction? Well, we battled his addiction for 15 months. We couldn't have conversations with him. We tried to offer him assistance. And we also, also tried everything else. We tried consequences. We tried bribery. Everything under the sun. We tried therapy. And um, nothing worked because he did not see a problem with it. Addiction changed his brain and he didn't see that he had a problem. And he had no intentions of quitting. And even after a grand mal seizure, after a particularly long night of vaping, he, he wasn't willing to quit. He still didn't see a problem. But that's how an addict thinks. Luca mentioned in his presentation a little bit about um, some of the links that he went to. To He was smoking up to four pods a day, he reported, which costs a lot of money and some behaviors that kind of, I'm sure, caused some stress on your family. How were you feeling at that time? We were desperate. We, It was daily despair. You know, our good kid was no longer acting good. He um, had all the symptoms of addiction. He was stealing from us. He was selling his belongings to feed his habit. He lost his cognitive abilities to take a look at himself and see there was a problem. He made excuses for his behavior, and he was a liar. He lied about everything, so he had all the symptoms of addiction. Luca shares about the night that y'all shared with him he was going to a treatment center. It was right before, I believe he said, Halloween. Tell me a little bit about your thought process and how you determined he needs to go away for treatment. This is serious. And tell me a little bit about that process. Well, because he had no will to quit, we could recognize that he had a problem, but he could not see that he had a problem. And he was not willing to quit. He was not willing to work with a therapist. Um, we knew he needed to be locked up. He needed to be forced to quit. And the only way to do that was through an inpatient treatment. Outpatient, he could have maybe gone and gotten some help during the day and then gone to school and vaped. So we had to get him away from it. Leaving the country wasn't an option. We looked at moving to Europe, to one of the countries that has made it illegal for Jewel to 
be in that country. But wow, obviously that was desperation. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that didn't work out. So that's what led us to inpatient treatment. We knew he needed to be locked up. Otherwise, he never would have quit. And we were worried we were going to lose him. Either incarceration, going to jail. He had no respect for authority at that point. Or an overdose. It's really clear when you talk about your story, and even when Luca shares the story, that your relationship has really changed post-treatment. That you loved him a lot. Um, You talked a little bit about all the avenues you went to to try to find the best place for him to go. And he wasn't very happy with that. But in the end, he did embrace recovery. So how is your relationship now? It's much better now. We've regained our son. He's he's back. Um, it took a long time to rebuild the trust. You know, you can lose trust in an instant, but you can't rebuild it in an instant. And so it's taken a long process of a lot of, you know, give and take on both sides, learning to get along and learning to trust him and him understanding why we made certain decisions and So it goes both ways. Are there any signs or behaviors particularly that relate to vaping or tobacco use that you think parents may want to kind of be aware of or they might be an indicator they need to seek help for their child and their tobacco use? I believe that if um, parents need to look real hard at some of the behaviors, they might be considering adolescent moodiness. You know, everyone knows that adolescents are moody cranky, you know, smart off to their parents. But I think when they're juuling or especially juuling, they have a habit of tendency, pardon me, to be more angry and to have more anxiety. Juul causes anxiety. Every parent I speak to complains that their child's anxiety level went through through the roof. And then the anger, explosive. It's not normal for a kid who's told he can't go out at night to kick open a back door. So that's explosive behavior that came with juuling, but, uh, you know, I think is a good (laughs) indicator there's a problem. And I think something you said earlier was that was not your normal child. That was not behaviors. This was goes beyond adolescence and maybe hormonal issues or anything like that, that parents might be able to excuse it away. There was a point at which you were like, hey, we need to seek. I, I remember you talking about going to a pediatrician, going to a therapist. So you guys were seeking resources but you weren't able to kind of arrest that problem until he went to treatment. Exactly. And one of the things that most parents that I speak to complain about is their good, friendly child became abusive, very verbally abusive to other family members. And I don't know that that comes along with adolescent moodiness. I think that it's a bit extreme. So every everyone has complained about that. So was he pretty open to you about the fact that he was juuling or was that something you found or how did y'all kind of figure out the difference between his tobacco use when it progressed to juuling? Because you mentioned it was kind of a different story once it became to juuling. Tell us a little bit about that. Right. Well, when he was experimenting with cigarettes and he would get caught, there were consequences, a lot of discussions and arguments. And um, so when it progressed to juuling, as soon as he hit high school and he came home and told us what he was doing, and remember, this was two years ago before all the information about juuling was out. So I, I actually Googled it, found very little information on it. The only thing I found about vaping was that it's a healthier alternative than smoking and a good way to wean a person off of cigarettes. And he said he wanted to use it to wean off of cigarettes. So I thought, okay, we'll try that. You've got a week. And I wanted to see the, the levels going down the use but during that week is when his behavior changed. And I at first thought it was withdrawal. 
but then I realized there's jewel pods everywhere and he wasn't withdrawing he was using so I think um, you mentioned last night a little bit about the jewel pods and how they're different can you explain a little bit or of your knowledge about how much is there nicotine in jewel pods and how to know the difference between one that is just a vapor as some people kind of think it is versus what's really in those pods all pods have nicotine or something worse if if they're you know black market of course they could be laced with who knows what but all jewel pods have nicotine they have according to jewel the nicotine of 20 cigarettes I believe Stanford University has done some research showing that it's more than more like one and a half to two packs of cigarettes worth of nicotine in a pod the problem also being that there's no end to the session when you smoke a cigarette take a cigarette break when your cigarettes done your sessions done there is no end to the session with a jewel pod and there's nothing to keep a kid from just continuously puffing 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 until they've gone through four pods in a day or 160 cigarettes worth of nicotine. Jewel particularly is pretty easy for students to conceal as well. So sounds like you think maybe part of the reason they're using during the day is because that's just part of that pattern then. Part of the reason they're using during the day in class is because they can, but they're also addicted. They, it shows that they can't make it through a class without taking a puff of their jewel. I don't think it's still at the point where they're thinking they're cool and pulling one over on their teachers. I think we're past that. They're addicted and they can't get through a class. That's a really good point. So if I'm a parent and I'm concerned, maybe I've noticed some of the behaviors you mentioned, I've noticed pods hanging around or noticed them when I'm doing laundry, maybe there's a jewel in their pocket or maybe they've gotten in trouble at school for having a jewel. What would you recommend as a first step for a parent? Um, obviously not every kid needs inpatient treatment. I tell parents to start at the beginning because and try everything because somewhere along the way something might work every kid's different every brain is different every addiction is different so I tell them if their child is willing to try to quit and willing to work with them I recommend they check their state health quit line state quit line I think it's called or the truth initiatives text program those are both free anonymous perfect for kids and then I recommend they check with their pediatrician or family doctor and get a therapist and especially one that deals with adolescence and addiction and then go from there you know if they need outpatient treatment and then inpatient treatment being the the last and most extreme so try kind of the smaller steps first and if you notice that behavior is still there or you continue to be concerned about it then kind of step a little bit further to see what kind of other resources are out there exactly and if it does get to the point where you need inpatient treatment it helps to show insurance that you've tried everything else. That way they'll, they're more likely to help you. And you said it. your insurance worked with you pretty yes. well to find somewhere. Our insurance was our ally in this whole thing, and that's not very common to hear. You usually have to battle your insurance company for assistance, but they were totally on board. So you mentioned last night in one of the rap sessions we did in Fort Mill that you'd been featured in an article and that a lot of parents have contacted you as a result of that article. Can you tell us a little bit about that if they're interested in seeking that article out or talking Absolutely. to you? Absolutely. Um, we were featured in the Wall Street Journal and since then we've been in other articles. If you Google our names you can find probably the first one that comes up is NBC News but there is the Wall Street, Wall Street Journal article near the top and it does talk about Lucas journey and our search for treatment and how we found treatment and where we found treatment. It can be helpful. I have heard from a lot of parents looking for, for similar assistance.
And that's kind of become part of your journey as well, to educate parents, to, I know that you guys have some contact with the Truth, Truth Initiative. So your journey is kind of to make parents more aware and also to help people know that this is not something we need to ignore. This is a serious issue. And you're right, things have really changed in the last two years. I noticed today on the Today Show, there was a story about vaping and lung illness related to that. So we are increasing our awareness, but I think we're also seeing more use which is kind of disturbing, but I am glad that there are a lot of resources out there and we will link to those in the blog associated with this podcast for parents who are concerned. Another question I had to ask had to do with um, any advice you have for parents who are going through this for them. Um, so we've talked a lot about what they can do for their child, but what about as a parent, this child that you love so much is maybe in denial, maybe denying use, lying to you, their behavior's changing. And it's really hard to know sometimes how serious something is or how much you should intervene. Sometimes there's some shame involved when we're like, oh, I'm embarrassed that my kid who's a, and you mentioned Luca was in two sports, he was a Boy Scout. So sometimes we're worried about maybe the stigma or what other people might say. What would you recommend for parents in terms of support for them as they're going through this process? Well, first of all, I recommend that parents not scream and yell at their kids. It's hard not to do because I think that's how that's sometimes the first reaction. You're just beyond despair. You don't know how to react. But when you realize that these are children who did not choose to become addicts, didn't know they were becoming addicts, parents didn't know they were becoming addicts, and they were targeted by a multi-billion dollar company to become addicts for the next generation, they're more like they're victims. And a little understanding and compassion goes a long way. Um, as far as, you know, I don't want parents to feel like bad parents because this could have happened to anyone. It happened to us and we did not see it coming and it does apply to everyone. It, there are more people going through this than people realize and people are embarrassed because your good child that you've spent, been so proud of all these years, all of a sudden is an addict overnight and you didn't see it coming and no one knows how to deal with that. You're not born knowing how to raise an addict. Do you think it could be helpful for parents to get some counseling just on their own to kind of deal with the correct steps they're making or making decisions about how to address things? Some support, I guess, if they don't have a friend or they can't reach out to someone, maybe look into counseling for themselves to work through that process? Absolutely. And I, I think another option would be um, Al-Anon, mm -hmm. which is for families of alcoholics or addicts. I think it, it all applies. Addiction's addiction. It doesn't matter what a person's addicted to. And when you start talking to people and sharing your story, you realize every family is touched by addiction in some way. And there is a stigma. People don't like to talk about it, but when they hear you talking, it gives them the courage to share their own story and realize, hey, we're all just human. Addiction is definitely a disease that does not discriminate. And I think some of us maybe wish that it happened to other people, but what we know is it touches all of us. And so I like the way that you're very open about your journey and willing to share it with other people. I just wanted to go back to, has, has Luca returned to that boy that you described at the beginning um, before all of this started? Do you feel like his personality has returned to that kind of, he's very engaging, he's very outgoing. I notice students really respond very positive to him and his approach. How do you feel about that as a parent? I, I'm so proud of him, and I'm lucky to be the parent of a teenager, but I find that I'm the parent of a more mature teenager than I ever expected. I kind of missed out on that middle teenage experience 
but maybe that's okay. I missed out on the moodiness, but now I've got a, a kid who acts much more than a 16-year-old, much older than a 16-year-old. So, But I'm very proud, and we're very fortunate to be on the other side because I know a lot of parents have been struggling through the same thing and haven't gotten to where we are. Well, Kelly, I have really enjoyed sitting down talking to you as well as hearing your story. I know we have another wrap session tonight in Clover, but I just want to thank you for stepping out and sharing your part of the story because I really think it adds to the impact of Luca's story to hear how somebody he loves kind of felt through that whole experience. So thank you for sitting down with us today. You're welcome, and thank you for for getting the word out and helping the parents get through this. You're welcome. And I just want to remind parents that we do have a coalition, which is York County All on Board. We have a Facebook as well as a website. We'd love for parents to get involved. A lot of our action has to do with legislation, advocacy. We work for through Tobacco-Free York County to kind of help kind of on a legislative level as well as a county and community level to increase awareness and look at legislation related to vaping. So please um, pop on our website and see if you're interested in joining. We're always love to have new parents on board. A lot of the school districts as well as local communities and agencies are a part of all on board. So we'd love to have you as a parent contact us or a student be a part of our all youth on board club. So thank you for coming. This has been another episode of our podcast close to home.